0: podcast joining me again richie schneiderate we have a very special guest athletic ruckers athletic director pat hobbs thanks so much for coming on pat great being with you guys a lot of Rutgers news to discuss uh, first off basketball team made the ncaa tournament two times in a row for the first time since 75 76 talk a little bit about what uh was that monday no what was sunday night like in the the rodkin center waiting that out <laughs> so sunday
1: um was one of those days you just dragged on and on and on and on. It seemed like it was never going to get to 6.30 or 6 o'clock, rather. And as the day moved along, on Saturday we felt really comfortable. Then Sunday you wake up and you go, well, I'm reading this and I'm reading this. So maybe not so Richmond wins. <laughs> Yeah. And so, you know, uh, Steve came in and we looked at each other and he's like, what do you think? I I, I don't know. You know, he's like, uh, I said, you know, let's hope it's early. And then thankfully it was very early in the, in the program. Uh, and so big sigh of relief, uh, and just felt great for the kids and great for Steve and the coaching staff.
2: Hmm. So Pat, there was also some pretty big news with the program uh, this weekend as well in terms of, uh, the extension, how, how kind of a uh, easy, it was it to just kind of be like, Hey, Steve, we need you here. Like we need you here for another couple more years.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, I like to sort of be preemptive in those situations. Right. Um, hmm. I think it's, one, it's telling the coach, it's the university telling the coach that um, we, we we need to react to somebody else expressing interest in you. Um, mm. You've done a great job and we want to um, extend you. And so the two previous extensions, as you guys know, were, were two-year extensions. Mm. And um, I'm a big believer that uh, as sort of the quality of your program, the quality of your results increases, so should the quality of the contract extension that you're offered. And we, I think we all know by now, Steve Feichel is our coach. He's going to be our coach uh, for as long as he wants to coach. And so um, doing an extension where I don't have to come back to it two years from now again and, and do it is, is pretty good. Although, who knows? Maybe, maybe we will. Um, uh, so that, that was the reason for the four years. We wanted to make it very clear that uh, Rutgers University is committed to Steve Feichel. And we know he's committed. You heard his comments I love Rutgers University. I love what we're building here. Uh, it's been a long journey, all right? You, the job that he was handed was probably the most difficult job in the Power Five. And oh, yeah. um, you know he had no locker room, no weight room, no practice facility, uh, and um, anything else that you would need, uh, he didn't have. And so sort of the ability to negatively recruit against us mm-hmm. uh, was, was there. And um, thankfully due to the great generosity of Rutgers Nation, we've been able to remedy all of those things so that now it's sort of flipped the other way. And people are like, wow, you know, uh, even recruits will say, I, I haven't seen this quality of practice facility, the, the locker rooms, everything else. Um, and so he's our guy, right? Steve's our guy. Uh, you know, it, it, he shared with me, he has a picture, uh, that he shared with me, uh, recently of the front of the TikTok tock diner in New York. And that's where of course we sat down and we closed the deal. And we just both thought, wow, we've, we've come a long way, but you know, this was the plan, right? Um, You know, you, you know, what he did previously at at Stony Brook, you know, it was build, 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 and then you have a sustained successful program. And that's our goal here. It's our goal in basketball. It's our goal in every sport.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, we've all been around long enough to have tasted moments of greatness with Rutgers basketball, like every, you know, there'd be two or three games when I was a student there where that place was rocking. Like, I remember the, there was a the Jonathan Mitchell three-pointer for the win against, I believe, Villanova when I was a senior in college. Uh, what about Steve is different from all his predecessors that really pushed Rutgers basketball to a new level?
1: You know, I have, I have great respect for all of the folks who came before and have tried, especially because, you know, as we just talked about the things they didn't have. Right. Um, you know, I've known Fred Hill a long time, you know, Eddie, um, all, all those previous um, coaches and it's hard. It's hard to do this job if you don't have a practice facility, if you don't have the things that, you know, thankfully we've been able to to give to Steve. Um, so I have great respect for all the predecessors. Um, but but I also think Steve's a spe- special coach. Um, you know, he, he would be winning without those things. It makes it easier for him to win with those things, but there's a Steve Peichel style of basketball um, is the way I sort of look at it. And I think we see that, right? So he gets uh, young guys that maybe aren't the most highly recruited. And he is one heck of a guy at developing uh, a player. You know, you look at Geo Baker's career and what he's done. Uh, You look at Ron Harper, you look at how these guys cliff, you know, the, the development of cliff from last year to this year, right? We're we're starting to see what Paul Mulcahy can do night in, night out. We have the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year in Caleb McConnell. Um, All of those guys came in, and Steve just knows how to develop you. So, like, if if there are young men out there who are like, how do I go to a program where they're going to get the very best out of me, and by the time I get up to my junior, senior year, um, I'll be the best I could possibly be um, no matter what program was recruiting me. You know, I went to Rutgers, and Steve and his staff – um, you know, Brandon, Carl, uh, Steve Hayne, what they do to develop these TJ, a young TJ, um, it's tremendous. So I think there's a Steve Peichel style of play. Um, I think it's gritty, right? So we, we talk about Jersey, right? We mm. have a little bit of a chip on our shoulder, yep. a little bit of lack of respect, right? Um, and so, uh, you know, and, and he would tell you, that's not that different from what Jim Calhoun inherited when he went to UConn, right? So Steve was... Jim Calhoun's first recruit at UConn. They had finished last the year before, and four years later they finished first in the conference. Uh, pretty good record, you know, for Steve as a player there. Um, so there's a style to what he does. He demands 40 minutes of basketball, 40 minutes of defense. I think we've, you know, we've all watched games in the past before Steve got here where that quality of effort and the quality of play was not quite there. Um, so I, I do – I have respect for all the predecessors, but I do think Steve is a very special coach, and we're very fortunate to have him for many years to come.
2: Pat, Pat, I want to move along a little bit and kind of talk facilities. I know um, last time we talked, I guess it was probably about a year ago, we were talking about the rack, and you said you were kind of working on a couple of renovations here and there. Where are you on uh, that status?
1: Yeah, so about two years ago, we hired AECOM Architects um, to Mm -hmm. provide us with what we're calling Facilities Master Plan Phase 2. Uh, And we basically took everything that we'd done before. It wasn't according necessarily to a plan, but we called it phase one, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because you got to call it something. Uh, And so um, what we wanted to do this time was engage an architectural firm like AECOM, their sort of world-renowned firm, and say, what is everything else that we need to do to close the gap between us and our Mm -hmm. counterparts in the Big Ten, from football through basketball, down to rowing, volleyball, golf. Right. Uh, and so that, um, is getting close to being finalized. Uh, Mm. and, um, there's probably three priorities, uh, at the top of the list and, Mm. um, no coach would argue with these priorities, right. It's, it's a, it's a football building and indoor facility for Greg, right. That's, you know, so, you know, as we just talked about what Steve didn't have. Right. Well, we also have to address what Greg doesn't have. Right. And he doesn't have an indoor facility uh, of, of a quality that we see at other um, Big Ten campuses. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I joke that, you know, our indoor facility is a temporary bubble, right? So the bubble was yeah. temporary. It was open in 1986 as a temporary indoor facility. <laughs> well, you know, almost 40 years on, it's still our temporary facility. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's where we have, I, gosh, I don't know how many teams have to share that, share practice yeah. time. And, you know, we've had snowfalls where that thing's collapsed. So that's, that's just not Big Ten quality. So we need an indoor field. Um, we need a, a, a new football operations building. Uh, we've done some things on the Hale Center to really vastly improve the Hale Center of mm-hmm. late. Um, so uh, Greg wants to do it the right way. So um, while we, we sort of try to treat most things around here with a sense of urgency, we also want to do things the right way. We did the APC, you know, the RWJ Barnabas Health Athletic Performance Center, the right way. The Rodkin Center here was done the right way. Mm-hmm. Uh, the practice fields for football, the Marco Pataglia football practice facility was done the right way. So, um, Greg is patient on that. Um, and you know, I'm probably somewhat, maybe less patient. Like I want to, I want to go, let's go. Um, so that's, that's, that's a priority. Uh, and then, um, we have the fewest premium seat, um, inventory, lowest premium seat inventory in the conference or certainly in the power five. Uh, we really effectively have no suites in the stadium, right? We have the Provident club, yeah. uh, which is very good, but that's one facility with 900 premium seats the rest of the SHI stadium, there really are no premium options. There's no party decks, right? There's no club areas that you can offer a menu of options to your fan base to say, would you like to be a season ticket holder over here and you're part of this club, and here's what that costs. Uh, And also with then um, Jersey Mike's Arena, which we know was probably close to obsolete the day it was opened, right? Um, It's only got half the bathrooms (laughs) it probably should have it's the only basketball arena that I've ever been in. I think um, this is a true statement. It's the only basketball arena I've ever been in where the concourse does not complete. It's not a 360 concourse, right? It's a U, right? So if yeah. you, you think about it, you can walk down to either one of those ends, but then there's the student section sitting between. So um, ACOM has done some really interesting work, design work, uh, conceptual design work around both SHI Stadium and Jersey Mike's Arena. And what it shows is um, it's possible to take those facilities and really upgrade them to uh, significantly enhance the fan experience, but also to provide athletics with a premium seat inventory Mm -hmm. that we can now generate more revenue, right? Because as you've heard me say, and I uh, continue to say, and now, uh, thankfully, um, we have a new president, Jonathan Holloway, who also sees that as we really don't have a spending problem. When you're in the bottom third of the conference in terms of what you're spending, your your issue is not spending, your issue is revenue. Right. And so we need to grow our revenue and it's hard to do that in your facilities. If you don't have premium seat options, if you don't have club areas. So really exciting concepts that we're looking forward to at some point sharing publicly. Mm -hmm. Um, What then next has to happen, right. Is you then pressure test that uh, against your fan base against the corporate community to say, if we put 30 suites into the stadium, would you be interested in um, signing a 10-year contract, right? And that begins then you, uh-huh. you start to build your revenue stack so you can go ahead and, and make those investments. There's no question we're going to need help from the state of New Jersey, right? So, um, you know, the, the, the story, whether it's apocryphal or true, about Jersey Mike's Arena is that when, you know, that then rack was being built, Mm -hmm. It was supposed to be one of those circular arenas, very popular in the seventies, like state farm arena, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: uh, like Mackey arena, um, you know, at Purdue, like Wichita States arena. uh, And they're really loud places because of that circular nature. So all of the noise is sort of directed down to the court. So it actually was intentional. That was the original design of what we were supposed to have. And then um, 1975, 76, um, economy was struggling, state revenues were struggling. And my understanding is the state cut the allocation in half. Uh, and wow. so that's how you ended up with the trapezoid of terror, uh, is, um, <laughs> you know, with not enough bathrooms and a concourse that's very crowded. Uh, and so when, when you see what we're hoping to do with this, it's pretty exciting. Uh, and it would ha- you would have a 360 concourse um, we'd actually get the students closer to the court, if you can believe that. Um, mm. and we would give our, 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 season ticket holders and premium seat fo- folks who would desire a premium seat, um, experience to have that experience and, and obviously then pay for it. And the beauty of it is of, you know, what we're putting on the floor is a really exciting you know product and team to watch with really exciting young men. And that same is going to hold true over at SHI Stadium with Greg and, and, and what he's doing, right? And we're, we're already seeing sort of pieces of that, and we know sort of what he's going to do because he did it before. So at that point, uh, shame on us if we're not in a position to take advantage of it. So though that's really important. but So those are the top three priorities in there, but you'll see there's um, – there are concepts for baseball softball complex. There's concepts for field hockey, to take field hockey out of the middle of our track, right? Not mm-hmm. the best experience. And look what Meredith is doing, despite where, you know, despite that, right? Now, mm-hmm. you know, for some of those programs, we've we've been able to do other things. Um, softball has a new locker room, field hockey has a new locker room. Uh, the baseball are in a new set of offices. Um, so we significantly upgraded where, where Steve and his staff work out of. So we've done things for all, almost all of our programs. Um, but we, we need sort of that plan. And then, you know, you sort of have your priorities, but if a donor comes along and says, you know, I'm just really passionate about golf and your golf program, Mm -hmm. and I want to help you build, the envisioned practice facility for your golf programs over near the course, then you, then that goes, goes forward pretty quickly as well. And that's sort of how, you know, the Rodkin center came about because Gary and Barbara have two passions, right? Gary is very passionate, passionate about academics, but he's really passionate about athletics and, and Richie, he's a huge Yankees fan. So he would love your, your hat today. Um, and then um, Barbara really is focused on academics and, so when he came and said, you know, is there something that sort of could combine those two interests on our part? And, and you know, it was like manna from heaven, right? Because <laughs> we, we, we had some academic spaces, mm-hmm. but not the quality of academic space that the Rodkin Center has today. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the difference when we do a recruiting event in, in here, and in in, I'm sitting in the Rodkin Center now, when we do a recruiting event in this building, we go into that big multipurpose room uh, and parents just sort of see the commitment to academics. And let's face it, there's very few people who come onto this campus who are thinking about their child's professional career in that sport. Most of them are mm-hmm. thinking 90, 98, 99 percent of them are thinking about their child's future as uh, a profession in, in a profession and some sort of career so this is a sort of statement place. So, um, so if somebody like you know Gary Barber come along and, and they want to do something else and they have a passion, and we've got, to, I want to be able to say, have I got a project for you, right? Uh, and that's sure. what the facilities master plan
0: does. So Pat, uh, we've both been around Rutgers long enough to have seen so many plans that have been announced by Rutgers. Uh, you know, different mockups and designs. Uh, but it it seems like it hasn't been until recently that there's been like a commitment to actually getting shovels in the ground because that was always the thing. It was like, well, I'll believe it when there's a shovel in the ground. What's the secret sauce, would you say, of uh, fundraising? Because Rutgers has struggled with fundraising for a while. One of your first initiatives was the Rutgers Big Ten Build Plan, which raised $100 million in like the first few years of your tenure. Um, That probably helped a lot with the Rodkin Center and other facilities, the, the wrestling room upgrades and things like that. And we've all seen a tangible uh, on-the-field result-based uh, change from each team that has been given a new facility, it seems. So what's the secret sauce in terms of actually getting the money, cutting through the bureaucracy, and actually getting things built on Rutgers campus?
1: Well, well thank, thank you for that question. Um, so what I've always said, I've been asking for money from people for 30 years. Uh, you know, I was a law school dean. Uh, you know, as somebody at, at Seton Hall for those years, um, and we, uh, we had a very successful fundraising campaign there. Um, what I've always said is there's, there's got to be a thousand reasons not to give, right? So somebody say, uh, you know, well, I don't like this. I don't like what this professor said. I don't like, I don't this, I don't this, I don't this. Um, my, I'm, You know, I hear Rutgers say, but it's not going to happen. It's not going to be the right quality. Um, we're not going to win. It's not going to make a difference. So there's a thousand reasons not to give. To me, there's one reason why you give, and that's you have passion. You have passion for Rutgers. You have passion for Rutgers basketball. You have passion for wrestling, football, whatever it happens is you have to have a passion because you know, there's a lot of different types of philanthropy and charitable giving, right? Some you do uh, because people are hurting, whether it's a hurricane relief fund or something like that. Athletic fundraising is because you, the, the the return you want is success. You wanna you wanna have the win on Saturday. You wanna have the win uh, regardless of what the sport is. So that first building, the R.W.J. Barnabas uh, Health Athletic Performance Center, t- to me was like everything. Um, everything. This was it. It had to do many things. One. To your point, it had to show we actually can get it done. It's not just another rendering. Uh, We're going to actually put shovels in the ground. We're going to build this thing. And um, what kicked that off, and I I give credit to uh, former Senator Ray Lesniak, um, uh, Senator Tom Kane, uh, and to Governor Christie, um, because there was a $25 million tax credit bill that had been sitting down there in Trenton unsigned, and, uh, when I became athletic director, um, my, it was myself, but it was others as well, reached out to governor Christie and said for us to have success, we need to go. And this gives us our go on the big 10 bill. When, if you sign this, then $25 million of tax credits, the clock is ticking on using those tax credits, right? So now, now I can create a sense of urgency. And so, uh, it, I think, I still think it was the only bill of this nature that he signed. Um, and so credit to him for doing that. And so now we have $25 million of tax credits and Sarah uh, Baumgartner and I sat down and she's like, what's our goal? And I said, um, and there was a, it was a feasibility study, which said that uh, the most Rutgers could raise in athletics was about $30 million. And I said, well, all right, 25 and 30 don't build a building. So um, where, you know, you, you do these feasibility studies and we just came out, I said, hundred million, we're going to raise hundred million dollars. This is, this is our goal. Uh, and so boom, the big 10 bill goes out. And so find you know, passion, right. Find people who are passionate about what you're doing. They have to trust your vision. Right. Um, so I, you know, it's on me then to articulate, here's what we want to do as a department. Um, and, they have to have confidence, right? In, in what you, you know, I've heard this before, What like, no, we got it. So one of the things I did early on, and people responded, which was, which was great. You know, I'd say, listen, I want to get to know you really well in the years ahead, mm-hmm. but I need your help now. So, you know, it's a little bit of a reverse of what you typically do in fundraising, yeah. right? Um, where, you know, over time they say, yeah, I, I believe this guy, let's, let's do this. I like We don't have time. We don't have time. We gotta go. Can you help us now? And you know, people. People did. You know, the Garudis, the Towers, um, and uh, Dan Wheeler. I mean, I could just go on and on. Right, Greg and Anna Brown. What they What they've done. Um, You know, like just incredible that they all stepped up and said, "Yeah, this. We're gonna do this. This is our moment. We're gonna build this." And then I said to the architects, uh, Perkins Eastman. I said, this building has to be wow, right? When people walk in, I don't want them saying we did it halfway. I don't want them saying anything other than, holy crow, they did this at Rutgers, right? And I remember um, to talk to your your sort of the skeptic, the cynics that, you know, uh, we know. I don't know if it's Jersey, I don't know if it's Rutgers, but it's probably a combination of all those. We're at the Garden um, for the Big Ten Tournament. And a guy comes up to me and he says, "That building will never get built." Well, the steel was already up, right? The steel was already <laughs> up. So I said, "Have you have you been to the campus recently?" I was like, "Nah, no." Nah. I said, "Well, the steel's already up, so we're either gonna have a shell <laughs> sitting there, or this building's gonna get done." And you that's gonna be before- an interesting
0: piece of modern art, or yeah, yeah, exactly sitting
1: next to the very interesting business school, right? So, <laughs> um, so so we got it done. That was a critically important project. Uh, because it told everybody at Rutgers, we can do this, right? We can get together collectively and, and build. The next piece of that, that's so important. And this is where, you know, Steve Peichel, Vivian Stringer, Scotty Goodale, Umi Salim Beasley who are the four coaches who have their programs in that building, but it's not just them, right? Cause that's where our, our health, uh, our healthcare facilities are. So all our athletes can get treated over there. Um, but those programs and, 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 men's basketball obviously is a critically important program where hire the right coach, mm-hmm. give that coach the resources they need to put together a great staff and then invest in the resources that they need, provide them with the things they need, whether it's a new locker room, a new strength and conditioning area, you know, Bob and Harriet Druskin built that beautiful strength and conditioning room over in Jersey Mike's arena. That was a, a nice piece while we were getting this, uh, the practice facility done and now you people are seeing right this but for COVID this would be our third NCAA tournament in a row mm-hmm. that doesn't just happen it needs great leadership in the yeah. program it, you need you need to attract kids need to be able to come to a facility and I'll tell you a quick story um, so one of my sort of favorite moments um, that you get to enjoy as an athletic director is when you bring a team into their new facility for the first time. Mm-hmm. So when men seen some of those
0: videos, that looked fun. Oh, it, it, <laughs> it's,
1: it's, it's the best part of the job, right? Is you you and all of those generous people who've helped you build something. You now get to see the eyes of these kids walking in. And I'll tell you sort of two quick stories on that one. So women's basketball, they come in and I said to them, ladies, this is your building 24 seven. Like, what do you mean? 24 seven? I said, you have your swipe card. You swipe in. You want to come in here and shoot hoops at two o'clock in the morning? This is your building. So that night, a group of them, I don't know if they didn't believe me or they just wanted to see, was it actually true? Came in at like two o'clock in the morning and they were playing some pickup (laughs) game. And I saw them the next day and they're like, Mr. Hobbs, we got in the building last night. We we're we're playing. And then the other one, which I loved was when the gymnasts came in, um, you know, they went from a practice facility that they would have to set up and tear down and everything over at the Livingston rec center. Mm-hmm. And to, you know, you can ask coach, um, you know, Umi, uh, Celine Beasley, she put ranks our our uh, practice facility in gymnastics now in the top five in the country. Right. That's awesome. so, the, so the young ladies come in and they literally had tears in their eyes. And that's when Umi told me for the first time, I had not known this that they would change into, for, whether for practice or for competition, they would change into their leotards uh, in the public restroom over at the rec center. So you think about Jeez. that, you are a big 10 program and your kids are changing, uh, there's, there's no locker room. So the thing, they were really excited to see all the practice equipment, but they were crying when they saw that they each had lockers in that facility. Uh, and so that, that's, that's so meaningful. And the same sort of thing happened here in the Rodkin Center when you bring those kids in. So yeah, I, I think we are finally past the cynicism of that will never get done. Right. Um, and it just makes it easier for the next facility to get built when you say, look at what we did with all of these programs and look at the success that they're now having. And you know, that's why, you know, the football building will be a really important effort. Um, and I know Rutgers Nation will step up to that uh, to the tall, tall order there, but we'll get it done.
2: Mm. So now, Pat, kind of piggybacking off the fundraising thing, the Big Ten's obviously rumored to sign this crazy, massive TV deal that's out of this world. Um, just how, how much of an impact has the Big Ten made on Rutgers, and how easy is it with fundraising now?
1: Well, first of all, I, I, hope, I hope all the people who have been writing about this are, are right. Um, I, I'm, I'm, a little, I'm a little more cautious on that. Um, mm-hmm. what, what I will tell you is we have a great deal. Um, yeah. with, we have great partners uh, in Fox and ESPN and CBS. Uh, and so as we work through this, um, what's really important, yes, if we can sort of take the next leap up financially, that would be wonderful, mm-hmm. but it's really important to be, to have great TV partners, great platforms, right. To be, um, you know, there's a lot of effort now, um, with, with some of the over the top stuff, um, whether it's ESPN plus or Peacock or Paramount yeah. to, take things to pay, you know, pay-per-view is the way I sort of look at it, right? And I'm not sure that's, um, I think you can have some of that. But I think being on uh, Fox, being on um, you know ESPN, being on CBS on Saturday on linear television mm-hmm. is really important and maybe so important that um, as you think about the deals that you're going to do, I want, we, we, we all want more money. There's no question about it. We'll, we'll all put it to good use but we also need to protect the brand. That is the big 10. And, you know, so the big 10 means, means something financially for Rutgers. There's no question about it, right? The quality of the media rights deal in the big 10 is a multiple of 10 times better than, you know, what we saw in the big East um, or uh, AAC. Um, And so that's important, but it's the, it's the big 10 brand, right? So, When you recruit a kid and you go, you're going to play football against Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Mm. Iowa, Purdue, Nebraska, Wisconsin. I mean, you just go down the list. You just name every one of them, right? There's not one of them in there where the kid's not going to be excited about playing those iconic institutions. And so from a sports standpoint, it says every Saturday you're playing football against one of the iconic brands. Almost all of them have had national championships, the Rose Bowls. And that's who you're playing in these great venues with great tradition, great game day tradition. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think the the football team that started it all in 1869 should be, should be in the big Ten, Right. And so that helps recruit. Um, and, you know, we've got tremendous football talent here in New Jersey, but, you know, obviously Greg and staff recruit around the country. Um, that helps you recruit, you you know, kids want to come in and test themselves against the best. Mm -hmm. And that's across then, you know, all of our programs. You look at the 20 20 game conference schedule that Steve just went through and Vivian, um, you know, the women's basketball team just went through. I mean, there's no nights off. There's no nights off in in the big 10. You look at what Penn state has been able to do uh, in, in basketball. And so that's hugely important. And then it also, in my, I mean, maybe this is the wrong word to use, but I also think that it helps validate the quality of the academic institution that we are, right? So we've all known Rutgers is a great university, Um, you know, probably underappreciated here in New Jersey by the number of people who go out and and attend school elsewhere. Rutgers is a, it's not a good university. Rutgers is a great university and, and it probably still doesn't have the reputation that it deserves. And that's an important piece of what we can contribute as an athletic department is to highlight the great academics here, but, you know, now we are as an academic institution, we sit alongside Michigan, Ohio state, Wisconsin, all all of these great academic institutions. So, I mean, I don't think you can overstate the significance of being in the big 10. And that's why like the the, the naysayers and they're disappearing very quickly these days, right? Uh, Rutgers doesn't belong in the big 10. They missed the point on the academic side. But they also didn't understand that um, we we can – that's why I came here. I mean, I I came – you know, I was at Seton Hall for 25 years. Um, You know, we did some great things in basketball at Seton Hall. Um, My first hire there was Tommy Amaker. You know, he had a real nice run before, you know, going on to Michigan. And then I was able to hire Kevin Willard, who's – I guess he's 12 years there now. I forget what – seven NCAA tournament appearances. Um, And um, I always wondered why can't Rutgers – Get it together, right? Like what you know, you'd have Greg's success obviously uh, in the 2000s, um, but then every other team was sort of you know not performing, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, what I what I believed is that because of its Big Ten membership, um, with the right investment, um, and you got to have a little bit of ego to do these jobs, right? You have to think people will respond to my urgency sure. about getting things done. Um, why can't we be great? Um, and uh, you know, when, during the interview process, somebody said, "You know, we just want the embarrassment to stop." And I said, "Well, okay. First of all, we have 700 student athletes, age 18 to 22. They're going to embarrass you, right? What we're going to try to do is make the embarrassments smaller embarrassments, because I got three kids, and I remember those years, and they did things. <laughs> thankfully, didn't end up at yep. AJ.com or, or any of these other things. But, but the, the goal is try to again recruit kids who." Well, they make mistakes. We're gonna make mistakes. Let's not make big mistakes. And I said, but let's be clear here. I'm coming here to win. Um, I, I want to win, and I want to win in checkers, chess, uh, you name it. Um, I want to win in everything. And that's where an important part of the conversation was. Will you commit to paying coaches fairly, um, to providing the resources, because we can win? And I'm very proud of that. Um, you know, we're. I think um, my first full year here. I think we ranked 116th or 117th in the Learfield cup rankings, which is, you know, the, it's a ranking of the overall athletic department. And at the end of our fall, um, and because of the success of all those programs, particularly field hockey and women's soccer, Mm -hmm. we sat at 28th in the country. Now I don't know where we'll finish up um, at the end of this year, but I would bet, um, well, no, you can't bet. I'm an AD (laughs) violation, but I, I, I would be curious to see one where we finish up this year and has any program in the power five moved as many spots in as short a time. And I would, I would say, I I think that's probably unlikely.
0: I'd agree. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about institutional sport. Uh, Rutgers, as you kind of alluded to, has kind of not really been all in on athletics until somewhat recently, Um, whether that be, you know, infighting or, There just wasn't a philosophical, like, Rutgers athletics is an integral part of the Rutgers community and the Rutgers experience. Now, President Holloway recently spoke about kind of philosophically changing how we view athletics at Rutgers from basically looking at it as a profit machine to it's an essential part of the Rutgers community and a tool to sell the school. Rutgers, uh, the, the New Jersey governor is a regular attendee at basketball games and different sporting events. How important are both of those levels of support, both from the state government level and also the Rutgers uh, Rutgers administration level where it's it's clear now that is a full 100% support of Rutgers athletics
1: incredibly important uh, to have alignment both with um your president your board your administration and I I think we have a lot of alignment with with our faculty um, is, is really important uh, and then also alignment on the state side let me talk about Rutgers first um, you know, I think we're incredibly fortunate to have Dr. Holloway as our president. Um, He lived the life of a student athlete um, at Stanford University. So, and he understood the opportunity that uh, afforded him uh, to then go on and become a very successful academic, right? He has a brother who played in the NFL. So he knows that there is a path for folks um, in football and basketball to go on to sort some, some professional career. But for the vast majority, it's can you take advantage of that opportunity to get an education and then go on and make something of yourself. Um, and, you know, clearly he, uh, he more than did that. Right. Um, and he's a you know, president of Rutgers university. He and I very early on talked about, I, I, I said to him, listen, my background is sort of unique, right? So most people before I came to Rutgers knew me as a law school dean who sort of as a part from a part-time basis oversaw athletics at, at Seton hall a couple of times. And, um, so I understand the life of a faculty member. You know, I, I, I had to publish to get tenure, to get my promotion, right? To work and do research um, to try to go in and be very, um, a very good, high quality teacher, right? So, you know, tenure is based on um, teaching scholarship and service. Um, and uh, so very important to be a good teacher, very important to um, do your scholarship, which brings credit to the institution. And then you have service component to the institution. There's a variety of ways that you do that. So I lived that life uh, for um, for a good number of years before becoming dean of Seton Hall Law School. So anytime I have an opportunity to talk to faculty, I, I think they listen because they, they know that I, I did what they do, right? And so I want to see um, the faculty here at the university get the resources they need to be successful. And I think we can play a role in that. I mean, it's, it's, it's taking time. But given where we were as an athletic department, um, this was not going to be just, you know, turn it over overnight. And all of a sudden everybody's going to see, oh, that's what athletics can do for a university. Um, but we have a president now in Jonathan Holloway who sees that, understands that, you know, the old metaphor that athletics is the front porch of the university. Um, so it's not the most important room in a university, right? But if your front porch is inviting uh, and, you uh, Um, folks want to sort of get on that porch and come in and find out what the rest of the the institution looks like, they're going to see that this is a really, really high quality institution. And if we're doing it right, we will inspire giving not just to athletics, but giving across the university because we won't be that excuse, right? I mean, I talked about the thousand reasons not to give. Oh, well, you know, I'd love to give to the engineering program, but athletics is embarrassing me, right? It's an embarrassment. If, If we take that away, people are excited, um, and not just the people that are passionate, but the people who, they just have a Rutgers degree on their wall, and, you know, they come into the water cooler on Monday and say, did you see Rutgers this weekend, you know, we took on and we, we won, and that's transformative, it's, it's you know, folks, there's lots of folks who wish that that wasn't the reality, but that is sort of the reality, so, you know, and as Dr. Holloway pointed out, you know, we're less than 2% of uh, the university's budget. But it, it, it's even sort of less than that. If you think about um, the amount of our budget that is university support, it's less than one quarter of 1% of the university's budget. And that it doesn't make it insignificant, right? When you're talking millions of dollars, it's millions of dollars. But you know, one of the things I also may always mention is, you know, we're not full scholarship across all of our sports. Um, less than half of our students receive some form of scholarship. The other half are are paying full tuition, room and board, and that's about $17 million. And that's sort of because of the way we account for athletics, that's not seen as a contribution back. So there's actually financial contribution back, and then there's reputational contribution back. Uh, And so, you know, I'm very, very appreciative uh, of Dr. Holloway's comments to the university about our value. Uh, I'll tell you, it was a real shot in the arm for my my administration and the folks who work in athletics who, you know, many of them work seven days a week. Um, And so to sort of be constantly cast as uh, an anchor um, on an institution rather than on something that can buoy an institution Mm -hmm. uh, is is disheartening for people. So it was really, really important. Then we go over to the state and to Governor Murphy. and, And I would, you know, again, credit Governor Christie, as I talked about earlier, in terms of the, you know, his Belief in what we can be. Um, we're the flagship university, and for the state of New Jersey, to be playing, you know, in an NCAA tournament. Look at just just in the last couple of days, the focus on Rutgers, but even you know, Seton Hall and St. Peter's made made the tournament as well, right? Mm-hmm. So it brings you yep. Jersey pride. Um, but we're the state. We're the we're the flagship institution of the state in New Jersey. Uh, Governor Murphy has great pride. Um, does like to come to the basketball games football games. Um, and we're going to need their help. You know, as I, as I said, as you know, we're trying to do things now uh, in, in putting together our facilities master plan. Um, and we demonstrated not just to the Rutgers faithful, whose contributions we need down the road, but also to the state of New Jersey, that if you invest in us, um, there's a dividend to the entire state as well. And that's, you know, that's part of our, um, our strategic vision is that we want to be a shared source of pride for not just Rutgers nation, but for all the people in New Jersey, because as you know, um, you know, folks who grew up in Ohio who don't necessarily go to Ohio state, watch Ohio state football on a Saturday. Right. And they, they'll wear Ohio state gear, regardless of where they went to school because they have pride in their state institution. Mm -hmm. And we have people in New Jersey that have that pride. I think it can be much bigger so that, um, the young man or woman who attends a football game or basketball game turns to mom and dad and says, I want to go to Rutgers. And then, and then we've done what we've needed to do.
2: So, so Pat, I got an intriguing one for you a little bit. You okay. might, might have to think a little bit for this one. So LSU announced a partnership recently with a gambling company. Obviously New Jersey is one of those States that allows sports betting, sports gambling. Is, is there anything like that in the works at all? Or is that just something completely off the table? Or is it like,
1: so I think you have to be really careful yeah. about that. Um, and it's not just LSU. I think they struck a deal. Um, there are a number of universities that um, are taking sponsorship dollars in their multimedia rights mm-hmm. from um, sports books, right? So so there's there's sort of where you inch along, right? So, um, and we've been, I think, very careful and very Thoughtful about what, what you know, we we have to first and foremost protect the reputation of Rutgers University, mm-hmm. right? So, um, who your advertisers are, uh, it becomes really important. You know, we um, we began alcohol sales in the stadium uh, some years mm-hmm. ago. I think we're we we're, we're, well, you know, we lost a year obviously with COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and why did we do that? We moved forward with that because we were able to demonstrate to Uh, Rutgers University and the board, that by introducing alcohol sales uh, at our venues, you actually end up with a safer environment. Um, And that's been true across the country that you have less binge drinking before a game, you know, the the pass out where people go out at halftime and binge again and binge after. Um, And we did a lot of research to make sure that um, if we introduce beer and alcohol sales, yes, it's great, it can Mm -hmm. produce more revenue for the institution, um, but is it a safer environment? Is it an environment we mm-hmm. can protect? And the answer to that was yes. And so now there's no reason why we wouldn't take sponsorship dollars from uh, Miller Coors or Dos Equis or some of the relationships that we now have. Mm-hmm. So that was careful, measured. And, I, you know, we did it the right way. Um, we uh, one of our sponsors, very proud of because he's a um, he's a Rutgers grad uh, who started the company. Uh, is, is uh, Jackpocket, um, the, uh, the lotteries. It allows you to sort of um, buy lottery tickets online. Um, mm-hmm. And a really important part of that consideration was all of the lotteries that they allow you to play and uh, through their app benefit, higher, uh, benefit education in the states that, that they... So New, New Jersey is a part of it. So you can buy a lottery ticket with the New Jersey State Lottery. We know that the, what the state makes on those um, sales benefits education here in the state of New Jersey, but also importantly, because it's an app, they're able to monitor, uh, does this user maybe have an issue with their gambling? And so mm-hmm. um, what you can't do when somebody walks in with cash to 7-Eleven or whatever that happens mm-hmm. to be. So now you get an inch along, right? Um, and it's something we do not currently have a relationship with casinos. Uh, we don't have a relationship with a sports book. We're um, going to continue to monitor what happens. My fear uh, is that, um, and this can happen anytime, regardless of who your sponsors are, right? But at some point, we're going to have that scandal, right? And none of us want that to be a Rutgers scandal, um, uh, where, you know, you you get a group of kids that lose their mind and say, hey, they're betting on us. We can influence this, right? Right. And I, you know, I just, we've had those issues in the past, right? In the fifties, you get terrible issues with NYU and there's a bunch of schools. Mm -hmm. Um, And it wasn't because of the relationship the university had with a sports book, but, you know, as you, and there's a lot of dollars being thrown around right now by all those, because, and and the reason for that is, and I'll, I'll turn it to music, right? So some, some folks like Spotify, some folks like Pandora, Right. They uh, advertised massively when they first came online, mm-hmm. because once you are a Spotify user, you're a Spotify user. Once you're a Pandora user, you're a Pandora user, right? Um, and that's why all of these sports books are advertising like crazy right now is because mm-hmm. they want you to use their app and capture you as a lifelong user of, of their app. So I, I get it. At some point, those dollars will start to come down again. But I think you got to be really, really careful about what you're saying when you decide to take those dollars. And I'm not being critical of LSU or Michigan State. or We're just not ready yet. Um, and that's a decision that obviously um, Dr. Holloway, uh, Dr. Holloway would make with um, probably the input um, of the board. And so we're just, we're just not there yet.
0: Gotcha. So Pat, uh, you gonna make it out to the game on Wednesday.
1: Going out there tomorrow. Um, wouldn't miss yeah. it. Wouldn't miss it. Yeah, yeah it's so, a bit of a
0: it's a bit of a, a nightmare travel situation for the team though. Playing at 9 p.m. and if, if Lord willing we win, play again on Friday at 4 p.m. in San Diego, which beautiful beautiful place, but long travel and short turnaround.
1: Reminds me of the movie Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. You know. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> uh, so, but, but yeah, no, it's exciting and. Obviously, like Notre Dame is a really, really good team. Um, they've got some great talent. They finished second in the conference uh, in the ACC. Uh, and, you know, we, you know people say ACC is not where it was a year ago. It's a, it's a really good conference. Uh, and Notre sure. Dame is incredibly well coached by Mike Bray. Um, been there a long time. Been to a lot of NCAA tournaments. Um, and so I think it's going to be an exciting game.
0: Uh, Rich, you got anything else?
2: Uh, Pat, this, this is kind of an interesting one, and I, I'd be uh, remiss if I didn't ask about this one. Uh, you, you mentioned a women's basketball team before. See, Vivian Stringer, what's what's the status there?
1: Yeah, so, you know, I mean, Hall of Famer, right? Coach Stringer, mm-hmm. um, she's a Hall of Famer both on the court and off the court, in, in mm-hmm. my view. Um, an incredible woman. Uh, and, you know, she's on leave. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, you know, folks have sort of been asking about that. What I can say is, you know, everything about her leave is – Um, in accordance with university policy. Mm -hmm. Uh, So um, we have to wait as a department, right? So all of that is handled through the HR office of the university. We have to wait as a department. Um, You know, I credit uh, Tim Eatman and the staff for doing the best that they can in this situation. It's it's challenging. There's no question about it. Um, And uh, what we have to wait, you know, sort of for Coach Stringer to tell us, uh, when she's ready to come back. Um, I, I know if you saw there was a recent uh, little video on yeah. TIAA is doing these things about, um, uh, you know, women in, in, in sports and in other venues sort of not making what, what men are making. Um, and she did a, a video um, uh, saying, you know, I'm not done coaching, I'm not done teaching. Yeah, um, She's an incredible woman. Um, <laughs> and so I hope it all sort of resolves itself in a way. And, you know, we'd love to have her back and coaching and, um, you know, so we, we just have to wait for coach Stringer.
0: Appreciate it. Pat, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Is there anything you want to talk about before we sign off?
2: A timeline I mean, for football facility. <laughs> <laughs> wait, I'm sorry. I said a timeline for the football facility, maybe, maybe around. We're still or...
1: working on. So, so I'll, I'll tell you where we are with the football facility. Um, is we're still working on design concepts, mm-hmm. right? So we have to get something that works, right? That works for the university that we think uh, will be within a budget that makes sense where, where that our donors can respond to. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a, uh, what, one of the things I think Greg would say is what I love about the Rutgers University that I've returned to is they're doing things the right way, mm-hmm. right? They're, 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 the facilities that they're, they've built were done the right way I don't want to rush this and not do it the right way. So let's get the, the, the right design in. Let's get the right cost estimate where, you know, the right location for it all. Um, and so uh, I want that to, I want that to happen because he needs it. Um, but we want to do it the right way. Um, what I would, the, the only thing I would, I would say, since you you're giving me the opportunity to do it is I just want to thank everybody that works in Rutgers athletics. I mean, the, we just went through, a pandemic, and not everyone fully appreciates the burden that that placed on our medical staff, our trainers, our strength coaches. You know, for a while, our strength coaches had to mail people or email people workouts right to, to do in their garages and everything. We were testing people every day. Um, the uh, when when sports came back, um, some of them were in the wrong season. So um, the facilities staff were working. Round the clock, our video, videographers working around the clock, you know, the people from, from our, you know, are the maintenance folks, right. When having to clean buildings more often and clean them in a different way from, from the maintenance worker to my senior associate athletic directors uh, across the, the, what they've done in the last couple of years is extraordinary. So it's an opportunity for me to say thank you to them and to say to anybody who's listening to this, when you see any of these people to say say thank you to them and recognize their contribution, right? We watch our teams on the fields and on the courts uh, and we appreciate what they're doing, but that doesn't just happen. It's the team behind the team that does that. Um, and so I'm really proud of them. I'm proud of where we are, proud of where we're going. Uh, I, I, uh, I always say that we are in the process of writing the greatest chapter in Rutgers athletics history. And I think it'd be hard to argue with that right now.
2: So ESPN 30 for 30? The return of <laughs> I mean, the uh, return of Rutgers.
1: It's a great story. A great <laughs> no, I, story. I, I totally agree. Story. I, I I think they should wait. Um. I. I uh, you know. Greg, uh, in his press conference, said his goal is to win a national championship. Mm-hmm. Um. What mm-hmm. I've always said is I'm, i I want to go to a Rose Bowl. Um. I. You know. Uh, I. And again, I. I'm glad that that's you know the, the goal. But and I'd I'd love to win a national championship in the Rose Bowl, uh, which would yeah. be great. But if you've ever been out to that iconic venue, um there are these great bronze plaques um, mm-hmm. that go back to, you know, they'd be the first Rose Bowl. Mm-hmm. And um, I want Rutgers' name on one of those plaques. It's not on any of those plaques. So, um, you know, Steve, Steve has three shelves in his office. One now is filled because it was getting back to the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. The Next one is for final four. And the next one after that is a national championship. So I want all of my coaches to, um, want to win national championships. And look, women's soccer was right there this year. Women's mm-hmm. field hockey was right there this year. I think when you see what Steve Owen and Kristen Butler are going to do in baseball and oh, softball, yeah. um, people are going to be very, very impressed. Um, and uh, so, so I'd wait a little bit before the 30-30. Uh, um, and uh, maybe it's the greatest, greatest success story in, in the history of college athletics. That's certainly what we're all working toward every day.
0: Yeah, it's, it's almost uh, surreal because back when I was a student, there was like one program you could point to and be like, yeah, we're, you know, we're top 20 in this, but now, you know, we're ranked in half of our in our half of our depo- uh, programs at Rutgers. It's really, really, really a great time to be a Rutgers sports fan. It's fun. Uh, it's fun. There's still sure. hard
1: days, but it's fun. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah it's getting easier. <laughs> yeah. Pat, we, we thank oh, you God. so much for coming on. You've been great. A lot of these stories have People are going to love to hear. Uh, we'd love to have you back on again in the future. Uh, but this has been another edition of the Night Report podcast, signing off. Anytime. Thanks, guys. R-E-R-A-R-E.